0: fx medicine is evolving the same evidence-based research ideas and thought-provoking conversations that you love in refreshed new formats to help co-create it with us and for member rewards sign up at fxmedicine.com.au for now enjoy this podcast previously recorded with andrew whitfield cook This podcast is intended as healthcare practitioner education only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.
1: This is FX Medicine, I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Dr. Joanna McMillan, Doctor of Nutritional Science, Dietitian, and Health Advocate. A PhD qualified nutrition scientist and accredited practicing dietitian, Dr. Joanna McMillan is one of Australia's favourite and most trusted health and wellbeing experts. She's a regular on television and she's most recently hosted Gut Revolution, a three-part series on ABC's Catalyst program. But she's also regularly appeared on Channels 9, Today Show, 7 and 9 News and Studio 10, as well as across a variety of radio networks, online and print publications. She's the founder of Get Lean, an online lifestyle change program, and she has authored six books, including her latest, Get Lean, Stay Lean. Joanna McMillan, welcome so warmly to FX Medicine. How are you?
2: I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me on, Andrew.
1: Joe, we're going to be discussing olive oil today and some myth-busting of olive oil. And I've got to say, I am one of those that was hoodwinked. But first of all, I'd really like you to take us through your history. First studying nutrition and moving to Australia indeed becoming a TV celebrity hmm. what happened how
2: oh gosh well I've got no idea people always ask me about this you know whether I had in my mind where I wanted to end up and I know that some people really are that sort of goal orientated and but really I wasn't you know I came to Australia knowing that there was really great research going on at Sydney University and I was wanting to do my PhD I was working in London and so that was the sort of decision to move here I've always had a contact with Australia I have Australian cousins over in Perth ah. W Right. so I've always had an Australian connection my my aunt's married an Australian so so you know I came here as a backpacker when I was 17 always wanted to come back and then so found myself here doing my PhD and I've been here ever since so despite the way my accent sounds I have now been here 19 years yeah um so yeah, so th- so that was my history, and and uh, for the last oh goodness, at least ten years, I've had a real interest in the Australian olive oil industry and the research behind olive oil in general. So really, that's what's brought me to today.
1: And you've always been an advocate of healthy food and healthy eating practices. Mediterranean diet, mm. with its olive oil central, is central to the evidence of olive oil's health. Benefits. Um, Can you take us through a little bit, though, about what is a true Mediterranean diet?
2: You know, when we look at at dietary research, the mistake that we've made in the past is that we do tend to sort of point the finger of blame or indeed the finger of of saying this is is the be all and end all. You know, it's quinoa, it's this, it's that. You know, we we pick out superfoods. But, but really what research shows us is that dietary patterns are important mm. and and the Mediterranean diet is one of those dietary patterns that's been picked out, it's not the only one but it's one of those that's been picked out worldwide as being associated with longevity and good health, so not just a longer life but a healthier life right into those later years and so it's the pattern that's important rather than it being a prescriptive diet so of course if you move around the Mediterranean region there's, there are differences some areas tend to have more bread and others more pasta others more um, uh, you know different sort of uh, aspects to the diet but the key core component of it is that they eat lots of plant food they don't eat a lot of junk food they have whole grains and legumes lots of fruits and veggies nuts and seeds they have smaller amounts of meat They do have fish and seafood and some poultry depending on the areas that you go to. And then right at the centre is their use um, every day, the ubiquitous use of extra virgin olive oil. And that, uh, you know, the whole dietary pattern is what's important. But the oil does seem to have um, a really key role in in exerting some of the health benefits that we see.
1: Just before moving on to olive oil, I I sort of noted in the Blue Zones, that really important book, that Mm. one of the important factors was movement. It wasn't exercise. It was yeah. movement and importance and this sort of respect for elders and this function to life, a meaning to life. There was all of these esoteric sort of aspects that aren't taken into account normally when we discuss things.
2: Absolutely. And the Mediterranean diet is just one of those blue zones. So we also have Okinawa, which is one of the Japanese prefectures, and you know, there's you know, there's other there's other areas around the world. And so and that's and that's an important point to make. So it's actually not just about the dietary patterns, but it's also about the way of life. And and again, there's commonalities between all of these zones, including, as you say, this, this activity. So the Okinawans, for example, do Tai Chi and dancing and gardening really late, even as, as very, very elderly um, people. Uh, we see this sense of community. They have a lot of social contact, they manage their stress levels very, very well, and they have that sort of sense of community. And I think that's also something that we all often tend to lose in in urban life. So I think, you know, it's very important before we talk about one specific food that we do recognise that that's just one aspect of a whole load of interconnecting factors, both dietary and lifestyle-wise, that really give us the best shot at at having a long, healthy life.
1: And so to olive oil. On the face value, Mm. one would think of, you know, the monounsaturated fraction of the oil being the major or the only part of olive oil that's of benefit. And indeed, I remember a programme where Michael Mosley, Dr. Michael Mosley spoke of work that was done, I think it was in Scotland. um, And he was basically saying that 20 mils of olive oil will change positive aspects of cardiovascular indices. And what he said was that you don't need the extra virgin olive oil that any olive oil will do. So where do we sit with this?
2: Well, I'm afraid I'm I'm going to contradict Michael Mosley there. I have enormous respect for for Dr. Mosley's work. He's done some really great work, um, but he's not a nutrition scientist. And so I'm afraid he doesn't know all of the aspects of of the olive oil research. And that's what he's missing in this story. So what is certainly the difference, if I can explain first, is that um, extra virgin olive oil is the first, it's the cold pressed oil from the olive fruit. So it's essentially olive juice. And it's a very very simple process, although the technology in in doing it has improved vastly, so that it's more efficient today. Effectively, uh, the, the the pressing and the extracting of the oil is the same technique that has been used for thousands of years, and so that's what's really important. This is a very traditional food that's been a part of the human diet for a very long time. Now, in the last fifty or so years, we've got techniques to refine oils, and if if olives go rancid and then they're they're then they're processed to get the juice. You You've already got some of those products yeah. of, of the plant <laughs> nature yeah. going on. Yeah, and that's going to turn the, the, the oil off, for want of a better way of explaining. So the oil then has to be um, refined in some way. And the same is true of if you get seed oils or the oil is extracted from from other foods like rice bran and so on, canola. All of these oils are refined in some way to make them fit for human consumption. So that's an attempt to get out the, the products that give either a nasty taste or are actually toxic products. But in doing that, you have to use high heat or pressure or chemicals in order to refine that oil. So olive oil is a refined oil. The only oil that's not refined is is extra virgin. And so the refined olive oil, although it has the same types of fats, and that's what I suspect um, Dr. Mosley found, was that there were still benefits on some cardiovascular markers, things like your blood cholesterol profile, for example, will still be improved by swapping out saturated fats for these monounsaturated fats. That's a known improvement that we see in lots of, that's just backing up, lots and lots of nutrition studies that show us when we replace saturated fats with unsaturated fats, we get improvements in blood lipids. But what you miss out on with olive oil are the vast array of what we call in science phytochemicals. And phyto just means plant. So these are plant chemicals or plant compounds, things like antioxidants that are present in very high quantities in extra virgin olive oil. And that's really what makes it stand out compared to every single other oil on the supermarket shelf. That's what makes it unique. And when you refine the oil and make it into just a pure olive oil or or light olive oil, it's those kinds of labels, they're either blended with other oils or they're refined in some way to make them edible. So you're getting the good fats, but you're missing out on these wonderful phytochemicals that give us the additional benefit.
1: You made a really good point earlier on, one which I have never thought of, and yet it's an obvious one. We would think about it, let's say for milk. You wouldn't leave milk Mm. to go rancid before you took it for processing and packaging. right? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't think of it. You wouldn't think of leaving meat to rot before you then process it or packaging. (laughs) And yet... What you're saying is that we often do this with the seeds, that they're left in silos, not necessarily with olives, but they're left um, after being picked and they're awaiting processing. And that um, period before processing is critical in what you're going to get out of that oil.
2: It absolutely is. You want oil to be really, really fresh. So mm. when it comes to, to when it comes to extra virgin olive oil, I mean that's one of the most extraordinary things. When you look at a really good producer, it's less than four hours from picking the olives off the trees to actually getting the end product of of the beautiful extra virgin olive oil. And oil is not like wine; it doesn't get better with time. You the fr- you want it as fresh as possible. Um, and so that's what's really, really important. We want that really good technique so that the olives are are processed very, very quickly. And, and here in Australia, where we have a pretty extraordinary industry, you know, more than ninety-five percent of our oils are actually extra virgin, and that's because it's a relatively young new industry. So they have the modern technology, and they've set up um, they've set up their their plants and, and processing plants using all that modern technology, so that that can be done most efficiently.
1: So I, I think here's a big catch cry by Australian, but it goes further than that, mm. doesn't it? That we really need to be more questioning, more. Discerning about how our oils are processed and what benchmarks Mm. they adhere to, with with regards to that, is that right?
2: We do absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that has shocked me most, and although this research was now a few years ago, it continues to shock me. This was research that looked at um, extra oils being sold as extra virgin in our supermarkets. And when they were tested, there's a German um, uh, lab test that you can do to test if the oil truly is extra virgin. Yes. And they found that a vast majority, I can't remember the exact figure off the top of my head, but it was well over 70% of the imported extra virgin olive oils were not, in fact, extra virgin. So they weren't oh, passing this, this very good lab test. So in other words, you know, we're, we're being hoodwinked. You know, we're yeah. getting oils that have been refined or that are older oils. They are not Europe, of course. I mean, places like, you know, Spain and Italy and Greece produce some incredibly wonderful oils. But unless you're paying very top dollar in a grocer or deli, those are not the oils that are being sold in Australian supermarkets. So, you know, my message to Australians is, in this country, let's support our local industry, Um, A, to support our own country, but B, because we are producing the best oils that are available in this country.
1: You know, I think there's a big lesson there with olives and wine. I have to ask you there. Though, um, when you're talking about the freshness of the oil, about an extra virgin olive oil being cold-pressed from the fruit, mm. am I right? I mean, I've tasted an olive fresh off the tree. It was not oh, something I would go back to. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, ha- very, I have done this. Very bitter. I know. So we don't tend to get that bitterness when we're talking about the oil. What's no. missing there? Like, what, What's the processing there? What's, what's happened?
2: We don't, well, you're losing. You're losing, of course, the pulp of the, the olives being picked out. But that bitterness that's in the fruit is is actually the phytochemicals that are present. But the process of extracting the oil and then pulling out the pulp, so that we're left just with the oil, actually creates one or two new phytochemicals that happen. But um, you're then effectively concentrating and getting all of the oil out of a whole load of different fruit to create the oil. So it's actually a very, very different product. But you will still taste those phytochemicals. So if you have a very, very fresh oil,
1: yeah,
2: and you know that you get that kind of peppery taste right oh, at the back of your mouth. Peppery nuttiness, a, I
1: know it. Yeah, and
2: yeah. Yeah, well, that is, that's. That is some of the phytochemicals. One in particular called oleocanthal, and oleocanthal actually acts a bit like ibuprofen. It's an anti-inflammatory, um, and it has very much of the same effect as a mild dose of, of um, ibuprofen. So that's the peppery kick you're getting in, in the back of your throat. So when you have the, the pure olive, and we have to remember that, well, in fact, it's a slightly it's a different variety that's used to make table olives. But even table olives, we don't actually eat them directly off the tree. They tend to be soaked in brine, yes. and, and you, they're left. Really a long period of time before they're, they're actually got that lovely taste. So it's not a fruit that we pick direct from the tree. It's, it, you know, we, we do something with it before it's tasty for us to eat.
1: And so the benefits of that will obviously be changed if you're thinking about olives themselves. you would obviously mm. got many different sorts, the Sicilian olives and, you know, the Calamata olives and blah, blah, blah. But you're not going to get those same benefits because you've been soaking them and changing them in brine and other other things to, to change their makeup.
2: Well, that's right. I mean, the thing is, it's not, it's not just about the soaking. It's also, if you think about it, you only eat maybe, you know, the cat half a dozen or so olives at the most in one sitting. So you're not getting the same concentration of that oil and the same amounts, therefore, of, of the different phytochemicals. And as I say, things like oleocanthal are actually produced during the process of pressing the fruit and, and
1: extracting the oil. Now, this is something that really interests me, is like humans over millennia have worked out how to process, in some instances, not this one, but in some instances, mm. an extremely toxic food and made a, a food out of it, a, a, you know, something that's quite safe to eat Mm. it here we're creating oleocanthal by making the oil so it's something that the mediterranean peoples Mm. have figured out that they're actually making a health benefit by creating or sorry creating a health benefit by making the oil
2: yeah and of course they're unaware of of what it is and what the chemicals are they didn't measure these things back then and there's Numerous examples of that all around the world. You know, um, Our ancestors have been very, very clever at understanding the impact of food on our health. And and in that region, I mean, go right back to ancient Roman and Greek times. The, you know, olive oil, extra virgin olive oil was thought of as a medicinal food as well as mm. it being a flavoursome food. You know, way back then, they, I mean, salad is called salad from the word sal, which is for salt. And the way they used to consume their vegetables is with salt and a drizzle of extra virgin olive oil. Right. So, you know, unbeknownst to them, they were actually improving the absorption and getting the benefits, not just of the oil, but extra virgin olive oil actually improves the absorption of the antioxidants in the vegetable too. So, you know, there was this sort of ancient wisdom around foods that they couldn't explain, but they just knew that A, this tasted good, <laughs> it made the meat more vegetables, but they just, you know, they they recognised that there was a medicinal effect from eating these certain foods and we're just science is just catching up it really. yeah
1: that's right and th- this is something that really like it always gets me like just to have you don't need to drown it but just as you say the drizzle
2: well you know it's one of the things i feel really strongly about is that we forgot in our striving for you know the optimal diet and how a diet impacts on our health and our weight control in particular we we sometimes lose sight of pleasure <laughs> yeah you know and i and i feel very strongly that food should be a pleasurable that's part right. of life not something we battle with and we force to eat this and not eat this and whatever you know food should be enormously pleasurable and that's what the mediterraneans have done right as well you know they take time out to to have meals they make food taste really, really good, and that's what extra virgin olive oil does to a meal. It lifts the flavour. Plus, it gives this big nutrition boost, and they are sociable with their eating. You know, so they eat together. They 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 mm. give meal times a priority in the day, and and I often feel that that's what we've kind of lost yes. in our sort of modern striving for whatever that optimal diet is.
1: Now, you've mentioned olive can you please go into a little bit more about what the actual characteristics mm. are of this polyphenol? Indeed, I understand the correct term now is biophenols, is that right?
2: Yeah, well, there's different terms. It depends how you group these chemicals together. But if you think about them as, you know, as bio is just really standing for these are biologically active phenols. ingredients and phenols are the, the, you know, the chemical category. So bio phenols are, are present in really high quantities in extra virgin olive oil in particular and also in lots of different plant foods. So what we, what we know is that when you have a diet very, very high in these different bio phenols, a, there's very good effects within the gut. So we know that some of them are, are utilised by the gut microbiome, which is another big in, in area of yep. interest of mine. Yep. Um, so we know that it's involved there and there's a knock-on effect, not just for gut health, but on physical immune, your immune system, your, your even your mental health is affected by the, the health of your microbiome. These are the new links that we're starting to uncover. But we've long known that a high intake of these biophenyls is associated with all sorts of beneficial outcomes. They have anti-inflammatory effects in the body and antioxidant effects. So they're sort of, think of them as protectors. They're protectors of cells all over the body, um, particularly as we age. So so this is the benefit of... an oleocampyl in particular is a very anti-inflammatory action. So I mentioned that it acts in the same way as as ibuprofen. So you might pop a couple of ibuprofen if you've got arthritis and your joints are sore or you're just feeling, you know, you've got inflamed muscles from your workout. You know, a a good dose of extra virgin olive oil is like a mild dose of ibuprofen. It has that anti-inflammatory effect. So for people who've got things like an inflammatory condition, whether that's a gut condition or something like osteoarthritis, then actually taking a regular dose, a daily dose of extra virgin olive oil just might be beneficial.
1: I just need to ask a safety question here. So when you're talking about um, anti-inflammatory actions with the NSAIDs, Mm. you're talking about COX-1, COX-2. You know, and obviously the the age-old issue with NSAIDs is bleeding with overuse of them. You don't have that issue with olive oil and certainly not, well, maybe not the oligocanthal on its own, I don't know, but you certainly don't have it with olive oil in, in its entirety.
2: Well, this is, this is the real difference between eating whole foods and then trying to take extracts and take really high doses. particular chemicals and when we look at nutrition research you know everyone got very excited about antioxidants way back you know over two decades ago when i was first studying as a dietitian and everyone was very excited about antioxidants so all these trials tried to extract the antioxidants that we'd learned about back then put them into supplements and then suddenly give them in really high doses that whole some is good more must be better idea and effectively that's what drugs are drugs are much more controlled doses and very high doses Um, sometimes are things that are present in nature or sometimes are things that have been produced synthetically. So if you take the chemical compounds that are naturally present in foods and you concentrate them into supplements, and then you run a trial, often you get into trouble. And instead of getting the desired benefits, you can get a bad effect or you can get side effects. Um, and in some cases, you know, very detrimental effects. It doesn't have the same effect as eating the whole food. And so that's what we'll see here. You know, you're not going to get the same risks as taking something like a non-steroidal um, anti-inflammatory drug. You're not going to get the same effect from having a whole food like extra virgin olive oil because you simply don't have that really high dose.
1: I think uh, the biggest lesson that I've learned is you cannot outrun a diet based on fast foods. You you can't you just can't outpace it asking a supplement to do that. <laughs> I, I, I guess I will differ from you um on that adding to a well balanced diet with some exercise good sleep um, can have some dramatic effects. But that's that's tying oh, off absolutely. loose ends.
2: Hundred percent agree. And there yeah. are places for supplement uh, supplements. I should make that clear. But that's I completely agree with you. You know supplements should be used with great care. and and consideration as to are there any side effects, are there any risks, and do I really need it, um, and and is it likely to be of benefit to me? So, you know, there are certain supplements that are very useful in certain situations.
1: Perfectly said. Thank you. i got to say that we often think about the benefits of olive oil and, indeed, other oils, in these broad health benefits like you know it's good for your heart um, it might be good for your joints or well-being are there any specific areas of research where olive oil particularly extra virgin olive oil has been done and indeed what's it shown?
2: Yeah well I guess two of the most exciting areas for me are I've just finished writing a a brain food book and um, and I uncovered some really great research on extra virgin olive oil and brain health so in fact um, it's probably down to those biophenols we were talking about earlier. But yeah. these 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 chemicals that are present in extra virgin olive oil seem to be pr- helping to protect the neurons in the brain. So that's pretty exciting research. And the other area that's of interest to me is skin health. I'm a, an ambassador for the Skin and Cancer Foundation. And so I've, I've also, I'm always keeping my eye on research to do with nutrition and skin. And there's another compound we haven't mentioned in olive oil yet called squalene. And squalene um, seems to concentrate in the skin. It migrates to the skin and it's got then and certainly in the lab it's shown to protect cells from UV light from, from becoming cancerous so, and we know that there's a lower incidence of skin cancer in the Mediterranean region where they have lots of extra virgin olive oil. So now it's, the research is continuing in that area to see whether, OK, is it the squalene in the oil that seems to be protecting and lowering the risk of skin cancer? So obviously that's a really good one and a, and a key one um, for Australians where we have such a high incidence of skin cancer here.
1: This is something that confuses me, squalene. Um, the squalene's mm. along the same pathway as HMG, uh, sorry, HMG coenzyme A reductase. So the same pathway to which statins work on. Mm. And it's, it's really confounded me that squalene was historically used to reduce cholesterol. And I'm like, huh? Mm. How the hell does that happen? Any ideas? What Was it a saturation of a biochemical pathway or what?
2: I don't think we know. I don't think we totally understand. I mean, even statins now are not totally understood. Originally, we thought, you know, when I say we, you know, the scientific community thought that statins were acting via lowering cholesterol, but now it's thought that regardless of any effects in cholesterol, it may be working a totally different yeah. um, different capacity. Yeah. So, you know, the same may be true, and this is what's difficult with biochemistry, is that there's not never just one thing going on and trying to identify the different pathways and understand the interoperability directions that go on between different um, chemicals that are in our food and the biochemical pathways that are on in the body are, are, is a long, difficult process um, to, to, to try to sort out.
1: Now, what about cooking and heating um, olive oil? Mm. Now, I, I, I've always learned that, you know, the, the monounsaturates are more resistant to oxidation and heating processes. Um, help yeah. me with this one. I always used to, I was told, and I, so I've always done this, to add a little bit of garlic and oil right at the beginning to, in the hope that the sulfhydryl groups in the garlic and oil will protect the oil to some degree. Is this needed? Mm. Should I just be using extra vir, virgin olive oil? Which one's best?
2: well, we have very clear answers on this now and and we've had some good Australian research coming out of of, um, our, our laboratories here because this has been a myth that's been standing for years and years and years and years, where people have just been told, you know, keep your extra virgin olive oil for good, just for drizzling on your salad, and then you use some sort of a different oil. And we've been hoodwinked, quite honestly, by the seed oil industry, who's, you know, marketed their oils as being much, much safer. And it's not true at all. And the hoodwinking has come about in part... From being told that the smoke point was the be-all and end-all, that the smoke point, uh, you know, is the only measure of telling us whether an oil is safe or not. Now the recent studies are showing us that the smoke point is actually only one very small factor contributing to how an oil behaves over time when it's heated. And in fact, you're quite right in understanding that monounsaturated fats are already much more stable um, the mono refers to one, which of course is just one double bond and a big long chain of of carbon atoms, which is the, the makes up a, a fat, a fatty acid. And poly, of course, means lots. And so polyunsaturated fats with lots of double bonds, the double bond that is the site of oxidation or the site of the potential damage, if you like. So monounsaturated fat and, of course, saturated fat don't have any double bonds. So they are also very stable in cooking. And it's the polyunsaturated fats that are not. And then additionally, in extra virgin olive oil, what has been shown is that not only can you cook with it, it's safe to cook with. In fact, in those recent studies, it was the safest. So it's it, wow. most unsafe, the ones that were producing the most toxic compounds um, over both with high heat and over time, regardless of smoke point, were the oils that are sold to us in the supermarket as being safe. And that included rice bran oil, canola oil um, and grapeseed oil. So these are three very common, you know, the oils that people are using in Australia. So that concerns me greatly. Extra virgin olive oil, it seems to be that the vitamin E present and the, 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 the biophenols that we're talking about actually helped protect the fat. So they had very small numbers of these toxic compounds being produced over a long, much longer period of time and a higher heat than most of us would be cooking with at home. Yeah. So, you know, you could even deep fry with it and safely deep fry with extra virgin olive oil.
1: Not that I would ever do it. <laughs> Not, I don't
2: I don't often see a need to deep fry to be quite frank, but you know, it's um you know, it, it's just worth noting that this is the safest. It really is the only oil that you need to use, you know. It, you just—I would not use a refined oil. You would Never. not find a refined oil of any variety in my pantry. Not, no,
1: nor mine. I will. I'm very proud to say that olive oil is the only oil that I put on my barbie, <laughs> apart nice. from apart from beautiful grass-fed steak and some nice salmon. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> but what, yeah. we've, we've spoken about these quality issues. But what exactly do we look for on a product? We look for Australian-made. Obviously, that's a time issue. But um, um, can I also ask, Joanna, what about um, the time that an oil spends on the shelf?
2: That matters too. You're absolutely right. So remember we said that fresher was best. So one of the best things to look for in the bottle is actually the date of harvest. Um, So, you know, good oils will state on there what harvest. And and olive oils um, are produced. There's only one harvest a year. It lasts for six to eight weeks, depending on on um, the, I was going to call them a vineyard, on the olive grove. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a natural association, isn't it? <laughs> it's, Mediterranean, it's, diet, it's my Mediterranean diet. It's Mediterranean. <laughs> with wine and olives and fruit <laughs> and veggies. Anyway, um, uh, so the olive groves, the, the harvest only goes once a year. So you can see, um, you know, and you'll see on the cobbler bottles, they often have a, a neck tag, which will tell you, this is the 2018 new harvest. This is uh. the 2017 harvest. And so while the oils will last, if they're, you know, looked after, they don't, you know, they're kept in a nice cool, dark pantry, they'll actually last up to a couple of years. You really, but by the next year, you've already got the next harvest. So you want to be using your oils up in, in the year um, from being harvested.
1: I've never had to use that much oil that I go through these tins, though. Like, we just don't do it.
2: Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't buy the tins because, of course, immediately you open the container, the, the oils are very carefully bottled and packaged up by the oil, oil producers, and so they make sure that there's, you know, the right, there's the minimal contact with the air, and that these bottles and so on are all sealed. So you can store sealed tins and bottles for a reasonably long period of time, but as soon as you've opened the tin or the bottle, of course, air is getting in. You know, the more, the, the more. Uh, uh, I'm losing my words the more the bottle becomes empty yep. the more air of course is then becoming in yeah, contact surface with the oil area, yeah. and so you do, you want to be fin- once the bottle is open you want to be finishing it relatively quickly so the tins are really for restaurants or for you know, very large families who are going through gallons and gallons of, of oil. But if you're at home, you know, as a couple or a single personnel with a couple of kids, you're probably not going to get that same level of turnover. Um, having said that, you know, if you're if you're having your good uh, the the good pre-med study which is one of the major Mediterranean diet studies. So they're yep. giving people about 40 mils of oil a day. So if you think about everyone in the family having their 40 mils, then you're, you're going to go through quite a few bottles of, of extra virgin olive oil, which is a good thing.
1: Yeah, we, ha- we have a joke in our family. And like Andrew, just because it's on special doesn't mean you need to buy another bottle. <laughs> So we're always volumous. I have, uh, I well have you to ask.
2: See my kitchen. I've just, I've just put in a new kitchen, and my husband laughs at me because I have a whole cupboard that is dedicated to my my extra virgin olive oils.
1: Oh, I could imagine your pantry, though. It would be the the shiniest, cleanest thing. You know, like it would be glowing with health. I have to ask about other ways. What what other ways can we help in? Even if it's not majorly, but how can we help? To stabilise the olive oil. What about refrigeration? Mm. What about maybe putting a sprig of um, of rosemary in there, or some some other sort of mm. way? Like, what do you what do you I, look, advise? Look, I,
2: I don't think it's don't put it in the fridge because it will also start to solidify yeah. in the fridge. So yeah. you don't really want to keep it in the fridge. As long as it's in a cool, dark pantry, and the bottles that you buy, you know, you want to make sure you're you're buying those in a, a dark bottle. Um, there are some. I know that my copper state first harvest is in a clearer bottle, but the intention—that really is the first pressing of the oil of the you know the, the very first harvest of the year—and so you use that up extremely quickly. So my only advice is: all you need to do is to keep it in a cool, cool, dark pantry. Um, is really all that needs to be done, and and buy your you know buy your oil regularly rather than keeping a stock. I have a stock simply because I'm always creating recipes with it and I'm using quite a lot of it. So only, you know, store how much you use and, you know, go through those bottles and and buy fresh. Um, And then, you know, you're using it. And if you use your oil in your cooking, in your salad dressing, I also bake with it. I mean, I try to use extra virgin olive oil wherever I can. So I've just been doing some recipe development for some other clients and I've made, I've made lovely, healthier cookies. I've made muffins, I've made cakes, I've made, um, some lovely oat um, sort of cookies with with the oil and it works really, really well. So once you start experimenting, then you'll be amazed how many applications you can really use the oil in.
1: Now I'm going to start salivating here because in my mind, I've got this very clear picture. But, you know, like I use olive oil all the time and only when i'm having olive oil with some balsamic um vinegar in mm. there with some beautiful bread um Gorgeous. but i've got to say like that the taste sometimes i find interferes with say salmon or something like that is it mm. that i'm using too much how do you get around the the taste issue mm. you, you spoke about baking how do you make sure yeah. that the taste is okay
2: Well, and this is where don't get confused between a bottle that is labelled as light olive oil is a refined oil, but if it's an extra virgin olive oil and then it says light flavoured, so depending on the varieties um, of the oil... Uh, with the olives that the oil is, um, comes from, you'll get either a much more robust, those really peppery, the olive oils that we said sort of give you that kick in the back of your throat. And then you'll get more light-flavoured ones that are much more mild and they don't have as much of that. They still smell very fresh. So sort of, you know, when you sniff the oil, you'll, it'll remind you of summer and freshly cut grass, something like that. Yep. Those oils are much, much lighter in flavour. They do have lower levels of, of the, the phytochemicals. Um, but they're still there. You're still getting much, much more than, than another oil. Yes. So, so that's what I tend to do is when I'm baking or when I, if I'm doing a dish that I don't really want the much of the flavour coming through because I've got another strong flavour, like the salmon that you mentioned, then I would use a light-flavoured extra virgin olive oil. But just don't get confused with, with something that says light olive oil. No. It's something totally different.
1: So the main message is Australian Buy Australian. Buy Australian. Yeah. Make sure that you've got a uh, an oil that has the harvest date, if you can, so that you can then make yeah. uh, an informed decision on on how far away from picking it is. Make sure that it's extra virgin, whether it's heavy flavor for your breads and that Italian sort of social eating and dipping, um, versus the lighter flavor ones for when you're cooking with it in in with other meats and and other um, purposes. What else? Yeah. Do they actually measure the polyphenols or do you only get with the Australian F SANS labeling, do you only get the um the type of oils that are available?
2: Yeah, most of them won't give you, you know, a measure of, of the phytochemicals that are in there, but just be aware that the more robust flavoured ones I mean, my chat. Ter- you know, since I've been working with the industry and I've done so many of these olive oil tastings now, I've learned to recognize, you know, when they put that bowl of oil out in a restaurant for you to dip your bread in, start actually putting it up to your nose and, and having a sniff and, and taste the oil before you even put it onto your bread. And you'll start recognizing when it's a good oil. Yeah. Um, and when you get that lovely, you know, a, a really good oil will not feel greasy in your mouth. It won't leave an oily taste. It won't leave you with feeling like, you know, you want to wipe your lips. And and the more, the higher the levels of the polyphenols, the, the more you're going to feel that sort of peppery kind of aftertaste in, in your mouth. So you know, if the if the oil smells fresh, it probably is. And if it doesn't, take it, leave that oily film in your mouth, and you know you've got a good oil. So you know, try to get used to, and the more that you use oil, actually, I think the more you also adjust to the taste and you start really loving yes. that that flavour. Yeah, yeah. And the last tip I can get you is, I was, I was thinking when you were saying that you love dipping your bread in it. The other amazing thing about doing that sort of oil and vinegar dip with the bread is that you, in fact, you 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 also. Slow the absorption of the carbohydrates from the bread, so you lower the glycemic response by doing that, and that's really the role of the vinegar. But the oil, there's something in the olive oil that that actually, Um, gives a satiety uh, release. It's a particular um, hormone from the gut that goes to the brain telling you there's food coming in and and slows down your your appetite. Um, And that seems to kick in as well. So it's a really great idea to do that because you'll slow the response. You won't need to eat so much in that meal to feel safe and feel like you don't need to eat so much. And and that feeling of satiation will continue for much, much longer.
1: Joanna, I, I can't thank you enough for educating me on the true values of olive oil. I do want to make mention, Mm. though, that Australians... Like just like our wine industry has developed outside of the normal, you know Barossa and Rutherglen and Hunter Valley regions, you've now got a lot of these olive oil manufacturers like around Mudgee, absolutely um, the Hunter Valley. You've got um, certainly Melbourne, certainly Adelaide. Uh, so there's a lot more of these beautiful boutique olive oil manufacturers coming up, and they're making really, really good products. Um I think oh, the issue are. I think the issue to say uh, is to say though that you really need somebody who knows what they're doing and how they're preparing the oil.
2: you do and 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 you know I'll just finish by saying I commend the whole industry, you know i've I've had a relationship with the Australian olive oil industry for for several years. So I've met and, and chatted with lots of these small producers when I've spoken at things like the, the industry events. And you're absolutely right. We we make a staggering amount of really great oil here. And and so that's a key message for me. Let's support them, let's really help them because they you know, it is a small industry, it's a relatively new industry that is just doing exceptionally well and they're winning awards the the world over. So, you know, I commend them for that. And let's vote with our wallets and really support them.
1: Dr. Joanna McMillan, thank you so much for myth-busting so many issues, which I believed to be true and aren't, um, and for taking us all through the health benefits of olive oil. I did want to segue into the microbiota, but uh, that was just a, a... a question that would explode into another hour of podcast. So we'll have to get together again and podcast on that issue. If you get me
2: started, we'll be here all day, Andrew. So yes, let's talk again. But I do (laughs) thank
1: you so much for taking through the virtues of olive oil in the construct of a healthy diet. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Joanna McMillan. My pleasure. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook.
0: Thanks for listening. To make sure you never miss an episode, Subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can also let us know what further topics you'd like us to cover by contacting us through our website, fxmedicine.com.au or by connecting with us on Facebook or Instagram.